Wake up, NHL fans. It is Tuesday. This is Morning Cup of Hockey alongside Kobe Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We got a lot to talk about today and get in the chat. It wasn't working for me yesterday. I need to see if it works today because I actually need your advice today, which we'll get to a little later. We're going to talk about the Dallas Stars and the Islanders. We're going to talk all about Johnny's personal life today. A little bit. A little bit of it. We're going to talk about Dallas Stars, New York Islanders last night. We're going to talk about Edmonton and L.A., Boston and Seattle. And then we'll welcome on our good friend, Frank Valley to talk about the trade deadline and some coaching situations going on around the league. But before we do any of that, we're smiley today. We're in a great mood. Uh, Colby's wearing a different hat for the first time, I think, that we've done this show. So I don't know what inspired that. I don't but, think uh, you pay that close attention because you honestly, wear that Boston University hat never every day. more than two every days day. in a row with the same hat. I'll rock the Titans hat one or oh, two true, times. Titans. I'll rock the BU hat. I've got a black hat with the uh, the E logo on it. I got now I'm pulling in the Fetter hat. I've worn an American flag hat before. So um, you're just not observing observing closely is the well, problem. I actually do. I did observe something yesterday. Jeremiah was kind enough to tweet at us from the elbow room. So I'm wearing my uh, elbow room t-shirt, best bar in the country. And he clarified, he also clarified that he did not take the spy balloon from Alaska to Florida. And I appreciate the clarification on that, Jeremiah. Yeah. So we're hoping you're having fun down in Florida. We're having fun here like we do every morning. But uh, what do we want to get into first? I mean... That Dallas Stars Islanders game, or what? You got the smirk. That's that's a smirk if I've ever seen one. <laughs> what? Say it. Go ahead. Make it about no. you to start, no. and then we'll talk about hockey. Go ahead. What do you, What do you want to start with? Said, make it about you for a minute or two, and hey, then we'll. And then I'm letting you tee it up. I'm and then we'll. Okay. All right. Fine. We we need we need <laughs> your opinion on this before we start talking about last night's games. Um, Johnny is going on an ice skating date. At seven fifty-five this evening, I don't think the and time matters. <laughs> he told he told me that he's bringing his own skates, and I said that that's kind of embarrassing and cringeworthy. <laughs> and the fact that he's going to be lugging his skates around Manhattan—it's not like he's driving to this date. He walks, or takes the subway, or whatever, and he's actually bringing his own skates. To me, like that's completely cringeworthy to do. You go ice skating, you just rent skates. You don't have to be, you know, showtime with your CCM wheels. You just rent skates. What like what are we doing here? <laughs> well, so they're they're dude, they're new skates. I just got them baked. I'm planning a pond hockey tournament on Saturday. I want to break them in a little bit. So you're taking them with you on it's not the like date. I'm telling her to go stand on the side and I'm just gonna rip her out. She she's gonna be so embarrassed by the fact that you're showing up with your own skates. Like, are you gonna wear a helmet with a cage too? No, but that'd be pretty funny if I did. Let's oh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, no, I yeah, don't think that's side. cringe. Why spend the money on skates if you have Olivia's your own? on my side. Yeah. Okay. okay. People are taking my side on this. All right. Hey, Let's listen, I, I, I'm wrong. It sounds like the first two comments back are, are, but, but did you buy your own skates? Can you clarify that please? What do you mean? No, these skates were sent to me by CCN. They were sent because Johnny's a yeah. creator. They were free. Yeah. And I want to break them in. Joe says, I hope she's watching this. I hope she's oh, watching this too. She'll see it. I'll send it to her maybe. But uh, yeah, exactly. Jeremiah gets it. New York's expensive. You got to save when you can. You know, it's it's just, uh, it's, it's you know, save money. That's what it's all about, right? I think all it's right, like well, 30 bucks a pair of skates. I hope somebody's filming you walking around New York with your ice skates. <laughs> I think it'll be. All right, let's move. talk about, let's talk yeah. about the, uh, let's, let's talk about the games last night. Um, yeah. I you're, said you're, it, dude. I, I, I said it a couple shows ago and I said it again last night. I actually texted uh, my buddy jazz with TNT. Who's the researcher. I'm trying to get a text back from him. I want to know. I mean, the Islanders have probably played the most overtime game. What? What's Chris, so funny. What if she shows up with her own skates too? <laughs> and we're getting married, obviously, but um, oh, no, she's way out jazz. of your league. She's way out of your jazz. league. Can we move on? I texted jazz last night and then asked him uh, who leads the NHL in overtime points this year. Cause I know the Islanders have played, I think the most overtime games, but Matt Barzal has got to be right up there with, with three on three players. I mean, I, we talked about it a little bit earlier before we started recording, like after McDavid and McKinnon, as far as forwards go to me, Barzal is the most electrifying player in, in overtime. Uh, his shift last night was unbelievable. I mean, probably over a minute 
he wins a board battle after you know making a pretty shitty pass on a two on one. If we can get the clip up right here, so just watch thirteen and white this this entire shift. Barzell creates this two on one with his speed, makes a you know decent effort for a pass, but it gets broken up. And then watch this board battle. This is like the exact compete you want in a three on three. You never really see this kind of battle along the boards. And the puck gets carried out into the neutral zone. They pick up speed again, and Barzell. I mean, what an individual effort here to set up Bo Horvat for the overtime winner. And the Islanders get a huge, huge extra point. They've lost 14 games in overtime. That's 14 and the shootout. So that's 14 extra points that they've missed out on, which is why they're so deep in the standings. But this play, this is McDavid-esque to cut back like this. Another cut back and find Horvat for that one timer. Jamie Ben is definitely caught puck watching there. He's sleeping a little bit. So you got to put a little blame on him. But that shift by Matt Barzal to me is just unbelievable. Well, look, I, I love how he was dogging the puck and he went after he, he look, when you turn the puck over and overtime, awesome, it's so costly and he turns it over trying to make that sauce pass. I know he's trying to make a play, but it's still a turnover. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he, he goes and wins that board battle, you know, completely saves the two points for his team. But here's my question. Why doesn't he do that five on five? Why, why, why is there not more of that in his, nah, he does, he works his um, ass off. He works his ass I'm not off. saying he doesn't work hard, but like, I don't see him in on the four check that often dogging pucks and, and second efforts along the walls. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man, the, the Islanders are, are, a, they're kind of a boring watch. Like you look at their roster and they're just, they don't have enough speed to, to compete in, you know, the modern NHL, the way that they're constructed, like they've got some big bodied guys who can skate. Um, but there's a difference between being able to skate and being smooth or, or being quick um, and having that sort of burst of, of, you know, uh, speed to, to constantly win those loose puck battles and, and create two on ones and, and, you know, be the first on pucks, whether it's a four checker in the neutral zone. So I think the Islanders roster is, is really flawed. And, um, you know, they get a good two points last night. They're still pretty far down. And, and the other thing with the Islanders is they, they are getting backup goalies more often right now. Like the stars don't play Ottinger last night. They play Wedgwood who, who has become one of the more capable backups in the NHL, by the way. Um, he seems to turn in, you know, a pretty good effort. Every time I, I watched him play at Madison square, I watched him not at Madison square garden, but that game he yeah. played at MSG, I watched that on TV. And, and I mean, he battled Shesterkin tooth and nail Shesterkin bested him just a little bit, but you know, it, it's going to take some, uh, you know, really smart roster changes this summer because it's just, they're not getting it done with this group. They're really not like, and I don't know where they go. They try to go out and get get Horvat, who who's a scorer, um, who can skate, who can move. He doesn't add like electrifying speed to your lineup. So I just, man, I I don't know where the Islanders go from here. Like, yeah, they get the two points, but I, I don't, um, you know, I don't really know where they go. You've got Clutterbuck and Martin, who are both UFAs probably time to move on from those guys. Mm. And, and the big thing for me, like they used to own the neutral zone. They would have a neutral zone situation, whether it was a one, three, one or a one, one, three that just made other teams lives miserable for 48 to 53 minutes a night. And they would get their goal and then they would, they would play with the lead really well and play thorough hockey. And, it, it takes a certain amount of discipline that few teams have to go wire to wire 82 games. And ever since they stopped doing that um, with Lane Lambert and, you know, they've been better under Patrick Wah. They're just not a team that can be taken seriously as, as a, as a team that's going to go into the playoffs and, and do anything. I know that you're going to shit on me because uh, I also, and whatnot. I also don't think anything Barzell did was anything McDavid like there, by the way, it was a nice play and the cutback was, was quick skating there. Come on. But I mean, there's a whole different level when, when McDavid does it, than than what that looked like beautiful play. But again, let's save, let's save things that belong, you know, at those, like for those moments and Barzell Mm -hmm. doesn't quite hit that note, but, McDavid's note is, is by himself though. 
I like agree. Barzal is right. He's right there. Like he's right there. We talked about him in our conversation last week about whether he's a lead or not. Like he cheaters that line to me. Like, I don't think he's, you know, that consistent 80 point guy, but his skill set is certainly above, like above and beyond and, and above average of the, yeah. But the again, I'll, I'll, I'll always poke holes in the fact that like, yeah. You could have all the skills in the world, but if you're not producing and you're not producing yeah, consistency, that's what is elite. Elite is yeah. doing it better than everyone else all the time, scoring 80, 90, 100 points all the time. Um, and, and so, you know, we're still getting comments in the chat, by the way. I think it's absolutely crazy to not bring your skates if you own a pair of skates, Bobby Drex. <laughs> if he was driving, it would be one thing, but to be carrying them around to a date. I'm taking the ferry. Taking the ferry. He's taking the ferry, and then they're probably going to go to a bar after. That's what, you yeah. know, the, these young kids do. And, yeah. you know, maybe you don't know what's going to happen at the bar. What if he? What if he has a couple of shots and he forgets them at the bar? You know, it's, it becomes a lot. What if they won't let you bring them in? Cause there's, they, they say it's a I weapon. Would, I would forget her over the skates. <laughs> I don't know, man. She's uh she's, she's a little bit better looking than you are. So I wouldn't do right, that. But, but I actually back to the Islanders. I sometimes on Twitter, you know, when I'm in bed late at night after watching a game, I, I see like these uh, Twitter um, like circles, whatever they're called, the conversations where people on Twitter, like all like talk about a game or something. I, f- I forget what they're, they're called. I think it's a, a circle. Um, and I was listening to an Islander one last night and I want to shout out this kid, uh, Ethan GSN. Um, you know, he's a pretty big Islander fan tweets a lot. And, uh, he went on a pretty, pretty good rant actually about why the Islanders should trade Brock Nelson. And he's been there, you know, best goal scorer now for, for probably five, six years. And, um, you know, it got me thinking like, maybe it is time for the Islanders to turn the page away from him and, and get more, um, you know, back for, for what his value is right now. Like the Islanders can get a pretty solid return if they were to get rid of Brock Nelson. Doesn't Brock Nelson score? Doesn't he score 30 goals every year? Every year, every year, 30 goals a year is, but think about the return. How old is he though? That's my question. I think he's 32. I think he's 32. I, I thought he was an 89. So he's, that means he would be like a 90 or 91 birth year. Um, if he, if he's under the age of 30, then you know, okay. But if he's 32, 33, he's 32. He's 32. Like, okay. Yeah. You could get a pretty good return, but I also think, I mean, look, 30 goals a year gets you paid and, and puts you in elite comp, you know, rare company in the NHL to do that year in and year out. But, you know, I just don't know at 32, does he command as big production is not going to go up. You you think, right? Honestly, I'd trade Barzell. I, I, they need, they need to you just sign a huge extension. I'm not saying I'm just saying they need to make drastic changes in New York. They've been running the same group back year in and year out. And where has it gotten them? All right, let's well, not keep Frank. Let, let's not keep Frank waiting. Um, okay. Let's let's bring Frank into the show. We've got a ton of questions for him. Um, Frank, <laughs> I'm sure you heard that the, the last. Yeah, part of my that. brain just exploded a little the, the, bit. The yeah, your face when you just joined the show is pretty. The, the conversation today started with Johnny has a date, an ice skating <laughs> date tonight, in which he's taking the ferry to, and he's bringing his own skates, and then they're planning on going out after and doing something after, and he's going to have to carry his skates around. I said, I can't believe you're not going to just rent skates. He, everyone in the chat thinks I'm crazy and he should bring his own. I don't know. I guess I'm See, crazy. The, the real question is, Johnny, when you go on your skating day tonight, are you going to bring your creator selfie stick? That's what I <laughs> I actually, you know, it's funny. We were talking about it before and I was like, oh, I'm just going to have her stand on the side and I'm just going to rip around and, and just enjoy myself on the ice and maybe she'll film some content for me. That's, so that's is, it, is it a hero move if you look like you know what you're doing or no? Like what's I mean, the, she, what's she the knows what I do for a living. Like it's not like a surprise, right? So you know, because you talk about you hockey all day, that therefore yeah. you're good at hockey. Is that the? Is that the you saw my MetLife highlights, Frank. Come on, you saw the breakaway I had at MetLife. That was nasty. Come on. Yeah, I, I don't know. A little bit suspect, Johnny. I mean, in terms of date ideas, I feel like you're lacking in creativity. 
Oh, this is just for me to break in new skates. It's not really about the date. We got a com- <laughs> we got a comment in the chat from Recon Gamer four twenty petition to ban Johnny from talking anything hockey. So, but I'm I'm definitely up for Johnny hell? and his date stories though. Me too. What the hell, Recon Gamer four twenty? He's, he's not into your hockey takes. He's more into your personal life. I can see. So, all right, Frank. I I want to start here with you on a serious note about something that's been floating around that you know, it is a potential, you know, shockwave of the hockey world situation. And and that's Elias Pettersson. Um, and it seems like maybe everything is jammed up because of him. Maybe not. Maybe it's hearsay. Maybe it's posturing. Um, what, what do you have on, on that whole situation? Because to me, it's really fascinating. Well, it's fascinating that he's not signed, but what isn't fascinating is the idea that teams are calling about him at this deadline. Like I, I can tell you, you know, full stop period. There is a zero. Do you see this? A 0% chance that Elias Pettersson gets traded during this deadline period. Zero. Like it, there's, there is not a, there's not a greater than 1% chance. Wow. Why, why would, I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about one of the true superstars of the game, a player that, you know, this team partly runs on the back of with Thatcher Demko and Quinn Hughes Mm -hmm. and not, and not to say nothing of JT Miller, but what, 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 what are like, (laughs) why was that even a topic in the last five days? What, what are people thinking? What are they, how does this even become a thing? Well, actually, actually, I, I, I might know where it started. I, I was watching uh, the Chicklets vlog from All-Star Weekend, and Rick Tockett actually says to like Ryan Whitney in it, he goes, which one of you said Pedersen's going to Chicago? Thanks for that one or something like that. It was, it was pretty funny, uh, a good little back and forth. But, but that was he, like December, is he an RFA? Is he an RFA yeah. or UFA? He's RFA. an RFA with one more year beyond this one under team control. Like, so then what are we you, talking about here? So then, so then can I ask you another question then? Okay. Could you see him in the off season? If they're still at this impasse, could you see them trading him? If he makes it, I mean, cause listen, we've now seen this happen with, with other marquee players. If he says, I'm not signing long-term, are they, we're getting this done or then they're like, okay. Well, you made a big leap from A to Z though. And that was if he says he's not signing here, we don't have any evidence that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the mystery here is but I don't have to come out and say that during the season, Frank, like what players just say, I'm not, I don't intend on signing here in the middle of the season. But Maybe he just do doesn't intend on signing during the season. Like, see, he I, that, I think, here's my point is let's not jump to conclusions here. I do think it's odd that Pedersen hasn't signed. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the Canucks have put all their resources on the table and said, this is not about money. You just tell us what you want. Do you want four years, five years, eight years, whatever it is. The number probably starts with a 12 in terms of AAV. He's going to be an extremely wealthy individual. So this is not about money. So let's park that part of it. And by the way, I don't think that they put $12 million, eight times 12 on the table before this season started. I do think that there was a little bit of a game of chicken heading into this year of, hey, you had a 100-point season last year. Can you go out and do it again? And he's certainly on his way there. So <laughs> my, my thing is, um, why, like, because he hasn't signed... We don't know the reason why he hasn't signed. And I do think that there's frustration on the Canucks part that it hasn't gotten done because there's other important pieces of business that they'd like to get done, including, hey, what happens now with Elias Lindholm, who's a mm-hmm. pending unrestricted free agent? Do we have the ability to re-sign him? And they also need to get Philip Heronic done on what is very likely to be an expensive extension. There's a lot of things that Vancouver has to accomplish but we don't know the answer yet as to why he remains unsigned. And until we have even a glimmer of one hint, which we have not received yet, then I don't believe that, you know, that this becomes any bigger than what it is right now, which is not just so a lot about- of talk in a, in a Vancouver market that is combustible. 
I'm not trying to make this about something else, but I'm just asking you where this kind of ties in. Does the John Tavares situation kind of now bring fear to management with other teams and how that situation was handled? Or is that just an afterthought? That's a one-off. Well, it's a totally different scenario. Mm. The comparable isn't Tavares, who is in pending unrestricted free agent. The comparable here would be Matthew Kachuk where he had one more year left on his deal as an one more year left as an RFA went to the flames that summer and said, Hey, I'm not resigning here. Mm Long-term you have to trade me somewhere. Now, the other part of this is, as you know, the, the Canucks can force the issue here. They have the ability to keep him under team control through arbitration or a qualifying offer. So there's, there's plenty of paths that they can go down to make sure that he's in their lineup next season. He may not love it, but again, we don't have any indication that he doesn't want to be there. So let's not jump to that next stage yet. So just, yeah, yeah. I'll call you ready to go. No, it's, it's, it's a fair, it's a fair statement. You know, listen, this is uh, the, the day, the day of in the life of the internet and, and the way yeah. things spread and, and wildfires go. So you heard it from, you know, our insider that um, right now, a lot of this is just nonsense and, you know, he's not getting moved. So, so everybody can put that to bed that this at this trade deadline, it doesn't matter. It means something can't happen in the summer at the draft or whatever, but for now he's going to continue to play on this, you know, uh, this Canucks team that has an authentic shot to win the Stanley cup. Yeah. Well, I, I think they have a shot. Absolutely. I think it would be unfair to say anything else. So all right, Frank, I want to move east. So you're what um, are you saying? You're not a Canucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Please unpack this yeah. so that we can yeah. replay this clip and I'm with you, Frank. Listen, we, we've had this conversation on our show a number yeah. of times. I think the Vancouver Canucks are having an incredible regular season, but I don't think they're a team that's gonna go cruise through the playoffs. I think they're a team that's gonna have to learn how to win by losing in the playoffs. I look at the what history. Does that mean? I've heard people I'll say tell you that exactly and I know, what it means. Hold on. Well then I then, know then what it means. The playoffs. Meaning like teams need to um you know experience some kind of failure before they can break through and win. But why like why that's ex- that's it. Because yeah, it's hard yeah. to win in the playoffs. Playoff hockey is different. The commitment levels in areas of the game, like the defensive zone, like blocking shots, like finishing hits, like stopping on pucks and not turning off pucks, like playing through guys on every single shift. The intensity level goes up so many notches. It's not a small jump. Okay. And that's why a lot of teams that are inexperienced in the playoffs and they don't have guys that understand how to gear you up to win in that scenario, the intensity, the feeling in the building. I read a quote yesterday on our show, Frank, and so I'm not going to read it again. I'm just going to paraphrase it. And it's from John Cooper talking about the different phases of the NHL season and what they mean to your team and how they prepare you for the big dance and game 60 to 82 is where teams learn how to prepare themselves for the playoffs and get themselves into that mentality and that buy-in of who that they need to be in order to be successful. And time and time again, we see teams run through a regular season and, you know, get into that first round of the playoffs and the game is very different and it doesn't translate. And then you see them. It happened with Vegas. They knocked on the door a couple of times before they were finally able to bring in the right pieces. Okay. During the regular they got all the season, way to a Stanley cup final with ever having, without having a franchise existed the year before did they win. I understand what you're saying no. that most teams don't break through and win. But I'm also thinking about it a little bit differently this year based on the way that the West has broken down. And that's there's six really, really good teams, two of them guaranteed to lose in the first round. If the Canucks are able to get that one seed, they're going to have the easiest first round matchup in the entire league. Okay. Well, while, wait a second, while Mm -hmm. the Golden Knights and Oilers slug it out in round one, then they get the winner of that. And I understand that the Canucks would be probably a bit of an underdog in that scenario. But do you mean to tell me that Thatcher Demko can't out goalie Stuart Skinner for a round? If that were to be the case, we'll see. Or, or, I, we've or, never or seen him in the playoffs. Right? We'll see. We'll I, I see. think 
I think the Canucks, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, like back and forth. It'll be similar to the Devils last year, I think, where, you know, that first round, they'll maybe struggle out, out of the gate and have to figure out how to play that playoff style. Then they will figure it out. But by the time round two comes and they play someone that's experienced in the playoffs, it's going to just be a different animal. Frank, how many guys in the Vancouver Canucks have a bunch of playoff experience? Uh, Ian Cole has two Stanley Cups <laughs> and went to uh, this would be nine straight years in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Teddy Bluger uh, won the cup last year. Teddy Bluger won the cup last year. I'm just trying to think. Yeah. Uh, Sadorov maybe has a couple games. JT Miller would have had playoff experience with the Lightning and the Rangers. Correct. That's really. Right. JT Miller would right. have gotten to a cup final. What? Can I ask you, what no, about Pedersen? What about Hughes? What about Besser? What about the guys that they count on to do all of their damage? Um, what about the guys that carry the water for them? What about Thatcher Demko? Um, just the bubble. I, I'm just like, you know. I, you're, no, you're, I get you're, what you're saying. I, I hear people repeat it all the time. I just don't know if it's stone cold fact. Yeah. Well, outside of outside of Vegas, that that first year, like when you really think about the previous Stanley Cup champions, like all of them, you know, had at least been like in the second round conference final, like years before knocking on that door. It took Tampa years to build towards it, years to build towards it. It wasn't just the loss. Um, Even St. Louis, dude, St. Louis that people say they were in last place, like years before they were still plenty of evidence. They were battling Nashville. They were battling Chicago every year. So you just, you need to learn and, and look, what, so what what did LA Kings do before they won? I I don't, I, I don't remember. I don't think they did anything. I, I, it, I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember that one either. Listen, yeah. you can, uh, they, they you won can in 2012 and they had the two previous years before that they, they lost in the first round both times. And then what did they do? They went out and added Richards and Carter, two guys who were dynamite players. They played in what a Stanley cup final for the flyers in the 2010. Flyers, yeah. Um, they go out. I mean, those two players were major marquee players at that time, major marquee players. Um, you know, they moved on from Jack Johnson. To, I think there's get- enough playoff experience. I'm just, I, I think they can put it to the test. Remember those guys did win around in, in the bubble, those core pieces. And then you sprinkle in a Cole, a Miller, all these other guys, like there, there's been enough pieces that have been and Are had really some the bubble though. What? Yeah, we count oh, the bubble. We're yeah, counting we the, count bubble the bubble towards playoff experience. Uh, okay, so now are you going to tell the Lightning that their Stanley Cup win? Yeah, I mean you can't you can't not count the bubble. Whether whether that might have been the worst and the hardest playoff to get through. Yeah, you can't. No fans, didn't get through no fans it. and it was forever long that you're living in a hotel. Fair, fair. All right, well let's transition because this is all hypothetical anyway. Uh, cause we don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs, right? Until it happens. That's we also don't know what the Canucks and other teams are going to do between now and then. I still think they're going to wait for at least another piece on defense. Probably. Who do you think, think they're, they're going all to looking have at a name forward, in mind? Though. Yeah. I mean, they're all over and have been keeping tabs on the price for Chris Tanev. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I reported yesterday that they're looking at Brandon Duhame, uh, and keeping tabs on him, uh, from Minnesota no guarantee that he moves because the wild are right back in the playoff race. But look, it goes to show you that Vancouver, the most aggressive trading team in the last calendar year, that's totally reshaped their roster is still, they're still fighting to win more, which to me says a lot about what they're thinking and their thought processes. They're not, they're not going, I can promise you this to put a bow on this part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. They're not going into this playoffs thinking, man, you know, it'd be so good if we just got some experience this time and we can come back next year and then win. And that's I'm not sure what they're thinking. I'm sure that's what Tampa <laughs> and Boston were thinking when they had their record years and then they lost in the first round in those two years. That's that's exactly what they were thinking. I mean, come on, Frank. Nobody's yeah. thinking that way. Yeah. But nobody's, that's you're putting a cap on them saying they can't win because they haven't done it before. I he also said that Alexi Lafreniere can't get 100 points because he hasn't done it before. That's how Kobe thinks. But Alexi Lafreniere can't get 100 points. All right, let's. That's, I just wanted to make a joke oh, to end this conversation. Scenario. I wanted to make a joke to end the conversation. That's but, like, yeah, that's like saying I can get down to 200 pounds. Like, yeah, okay. I believe in you, Frank. I think you can get to yeah. 185. But let's move into a different topic because I actually, you know, I, I don't want to create anything. It's already it's already been created. It was going on yesterday. But the Devils now five points back at the Philadelphia Flyers for third in the Metro. They're on a West Coast trip right now for three games in Western California. 
if they don't win at least two games on that trip, two out of three, is it too late for Lindy Ruff's job to be in jeopardy this season? Like, are they just going to, like, what's going to happen there? Because we uh, saw. Is it too you know, late? I mean, I know it was a different manager and a different time, but the Devils fired a coach with four games left in their season and won the division that year. When was that? Reminder. When was that? Uh, 2002 or four, three, uh, somewhere was, in that era. It was the Lou Lamarillo. That was a Lou Lamarillo move. Yeah. Too young for that one. Uh, yeah, apparently your face was like, what? Um, and <laughs> let me remind you too. Um, I saw this yesterday, so I'm just looking it up to confirm. Mm-hmm. But the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2008 had 59 points in 57 games and they brought in Dan Bilesma 57 games they played. That's just about right where the devils are now. They're at 58 Mm -hmm. and that team went on to win the Stanley cup. No, I said yesterday, Frank, that unless there, there are two ways I think, you know, Fitz would be looking at this in New Jersey and, and like, if he's already identified, let's say a guy like Craig Berube, who's sitting out there or Bruce Boudreau or whomever it may be, right. If he's identified somebody that he wants, then it's never too late to make a coaching decision. You've also got Travis green who, you know, does have head coaching experience, albeit, you know, they didn't exactly have, you know, shining years in Vancouver when he was uh, when he was in charge, but he was very successful at the American League level in Utica, which is why he got that opportunity. Did, to by the up. way, win playoff rounds in Vancouver. He was. <laughs> they did win playoff rounds in Vancouver. Exactly what we were just talking about. Was that the bubble year? Yes. Okay, and and that's when <laughs> Demko played in the playoffs. By the way, so that well. yeah, but that doesn't count, right? No, I never said that. That doesn't. Yeah, I'm count. just kidding. I I don't think the play the bubble doesn't count. I think those games were great. Um, they won their qualifying round over the Wild, and then they beat the Blues four two in the first round and lost to Vegas in seven games. Okay, so Thatcher Demko does have some playoff experience. So so Travis I, Green know. is not on that bench by accident. They wanted someone with experience. Exactly. So um, you, my <laughs> point being, it's never too late. Is is what I said to him yesterday about this whole yeah. coaching situation. But I, I the question for you is 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 this something that Fitz is actually thinking about doing right now? Does ownership have the appetite for another coach? Uh, where do the devil sit with all this? Oh, I, I think he'd have to be thinking about it right now. It's not the fan chance. It's not um, the comments that Lindy Ruff has made. Although what he said last week about the media applying excess pressure to players is it feels like a, that's like the last straw for a coach. It's like the last play that you have left in your playbook is to blame it or pin it on someone else when your power play goes two for 46. To me, it's an eye test thing. It is, and, and look, I tweeted the video last week or a few days ago. I thought it was so well done on our Daily Faceoff live show to show you how casual the devils were with the puck. How they don't shoot. It's, their their lack of attention to detail is what stands out to me. It feels like a team that's undisciplined, that is lacking maturity, and part of that's due to their age. But they need someone to rein them in. And I'm not saying Lindy Ruff isn't trying, but it's clearly not getting through if you see these same mistakes repeated time after time. So that said, like, let's park that part of it. I do think that there's still a significant roster construction issue with this team in that one, their goaltending is not helped when you have both Lindy Ruff and Jack Hughes and other players make public statements saying, man, it'd be great if we could get some more saves. If they're saying that publicly with a microphone Mm. in front of them, just imagine what they're feeling and then imagine what they're saying behind closed doors. The devil's goaltending hasn't been good enough throughout the entirety of Tom Fitzgerald's tenure. Fact. Mm-hmm. They've they're now so he took over in 2020, February or January of 2020, and this is season 5. This would be the third season out of 5 that they finish in the bottom 2 in the league in save percentage. Last year, they had a great year with Vitek Vanacek in the regular season. They finished 11th, and then he totally had his confidence shattered in the playoffs and hasn't been right since. 
We know the Mackenzie Blackwood situation. He was trending towards being one of the top goalies in the league. That hasn't happened. So the goaltending part, no bueno. But then there's also, it's a chicken and the egg thing too. Is it all the goaltending or is it some of the issues that they've had on defense where you say goodbye to Damon Severson, you say goodbye to Ryan Graves, fine. You're asking huge things from Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz. But the problem is then Dougie Hamilton tears his pec muscle and Jonas Siegenthaler misses five weeks of action. You can't take four defensemen out of one lineup from last year when you went around and then think that you're going to somehow withstand that and there's not going to be any issues. And, oh, by the way, we didn't even talk about all the time that Jack Hughes has missed and the fact that even since he's been back, hasn't really looked up to snuff, up to his usual standard. So I think the Devils have a lot going on. I think it's tough to sift through. My guess would be that because there are roster construction issues and having a pretty good sense of of what uh, Tom Fitzgerald is and how he acts, he's probably putting some of the onus on himself and saying, let me see if I can make a move first before I have to go down this path and change the coach so that I know that at least I put the best team on the ice in front of him to give him an opportunity to win. And I don't know that he's done that yet. Well, it's just interesting to hear this whole goaltending part of this conversation because, you know, I've kind of argued with everyone all year about the fact that goaltending, you got to pay your goalie, you got to get a goalie. And I've gotten a lot of pushback this year from everybody across all the platforms about how (laughs) goaltending isn't this major thing anymore. And and you can get away with a couple of mid-level goaltenders and, you know, this and that. And now we're talking about the Devils and all we talk about is goaltending. And they need to get a goalie and they've never had a goalie. So like that whole argument that like you don't need a goalie and you don't have to pay a goalie, it's clearly not working in New Jersey. Well, I would agree. It's yeah. what's the old line from Pat Burns? Goaltending is 70% of the game. Unless you don't have it, then it's a hundred percent or whatever that mm. that line is from before Johnny was born. <laughs> I mean, it's true. How do you think? the Kings feel about their goaltending situation right now. They made the boldest bet in the league spending two and a half million dollars total on cam Talbot and uh, Phoenix Copley. Copley's now back in the minors. He's been replaced by big save Rid- Dave Riddick, who Riddick, I, right? Yeah. I, I, they're, they're as shocked as anyone. The, the Kings had lost 100% complete and total trust in David Riddick in training camp. The fact that he's not only factoring into their season, but is seven, four and two with a nine 11 save percentage since January 1st is bonkers. And right. Cam Talbot, he's been through a, a wild swing this season. He started the year 14, seven and three with a nine twenty five, earning him a trip to the all-star weekend. And since 2024, since the new year, he's turned into a pumpkin. He's he didn't get his first win in in 2024 until last week, and he's got an 887 save percentage. And now they're on the verge of missing the playoffs. <laughs> well, no, David Riddick has somehow kept them in it. Yeah, but they're, they're going to make they're the playoffs. They're a 90. They're a 97 percent shot to make the playoffs. They're, they'll make the playoffs. They'll again. You see but, this but, now. Here, but here's my point: the Kings build up this great roster, right? That well. There's question marks now after PL Dubois trade, but you look at their forward group and you say, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of a finger right now. They build up this great forward group and they, Can they we just have get Johnny off the screen. He's such wait, an idiot. But they, so they've bet, they've bet that now on these two goalies that now because of them and no offense to Cam Talbot, but no one's looking at the Kings in the West and taking them seriously. Yeah. Well, look, I want to stay with the goal, the goaltending conversation and ask you one more question about goalies in, in, in particular. Because about- that's my story today on dailyfaceoff.com, taking a deep dive on the goalie market, which is so, the only reason I knew all these numbers off the top. Of the <laughs> I, I've been getting a lot. Um, a, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. Both, you know, the Flyers had a couple of national TV games over the weekend. Okay. Um, Sam Merson plays great the first game against the Rangers. And then Cal Peterson has to play on the second part of the back-to-back. 
Cal Peterson doesn't look like a guy who who can play in the NHL anymore or right now or or maybe you know never ever again. again. Yeah. Um. That was that was really piss poor goaltending in that game. I mean, one bad goal after another. Hard to watch, actually, and and you know, give the Flyers credit for fighting back and fighting back. And I had a number of people tweet at me and say to me, and we've had comments: the Flyers need to go out and bring in a a better backup goaltender. And my initial thought to that, Frank, is the Flyers do not need to add anything right now. The Flyers should not even consider adding. Whether you give Sandstrom a call up who hasn't played that well in the American League, or you just realize like. Even though we'd love to push for the playoffs, it's not the goal here right now. It really isn't. I think that would be insane. But is that something that's being talked about or considered in Philadelphia, Frank? Or or is it just like how I kind of feel about it? You mean in terms of goaltending or the overall picture? I'm really talking goaltending. I don't think overall that's even a question. But I, I'm just talking after what happened with Cal Peterson on that back-to-back are they feeling like they need to like do something to have us at least somebody nope. who can not let up six or seven goals on 22 shots? Nope. Uh, that's not something that they're thinking about or will act on. Uh, they have three Russian goalies that are coming that they're incredibly high on. And they feel like because they've allocated a lot of draft capital to picking goalies that they're in really good shape moving forward. And it's not for this year, although they had kind of planned, I think, for the possibility that Carter Hart might exit the team at some point. There's a reason why they started the year with three goalies. And Sam Erson um, has sort of been certainly a pleasant surprise. Um, but there's they're not going to act on doing something to close that gap. Cal Peterson was supposed to be that guy that could be that third goalie fill in insurance. And at this point, you know, if you're really serious about trying to stack up some points, Felix Sandstrom would be the guy that I would look at. Not that his numbers are much better in the AHL, but at least he gives your team a shot in the arm in terms of some confidence. But I think the flyers are a fascinating overall deadline team because they've got a really split dynamic in their own marketplace right now. There's a, a group of fans that are saying, no matter what happens this season, whether we get into the playoffs or not, you need to maximize your return for Sean Walker and Nick Sealer and whoever else that you can move off of this team. Well, what that is has that, value. Frank, can I ask you though, what does maximizing a return for those types of players even really look like? I mean, I, I don't know. I think you're looking at a, at a second round pick for each of them. Okay. That's the but let, like, let's take a step back though. And not uh, Johnny doesn't like my hand gestures, but let's no, 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 that one was just, that one was hilarious. <laughs> let's take a step back and look at where the flyers were when they made that trade involving Peterson and getting Sean Walker, which by the way, I don't think they got enough to take on that level of salary from the Kings and Cal Peterson. Um, but they were they were totally two cap dumps. Sean Walker was a healthy scratch for the Kings last year in the playoffs. To then now turn around and say, hey, you know what? A second round pick isn't good enough for us because we're in this playoff chase. I think that would signal that you're losing sight of the big picture. And I know what that would mean to that locker room to take him out of the mix. I know what it would say to some hardcore loyalist fans who are like, you know, this team is is tracking to be a playoff team for the first time in a while. This season has been such a surprise. Why would you ruin it? You have to stay true to what your plan is and the long view, which is as many stockpiling as many picks and assets as you possibly can. You don't know what you might use them for if you're looking for potential trade capital. And you also don't know what you might be able to pick up in the draft that could be a much bigger game changer down the road than any number of more weeks of Sean Walker, however long it lasts, likely just two in the playoffs. And let me take it a step further. Um, Sean Walker, I believe, is looking for something like four years times five million bucks. That's Would you pay Sean Walker that kind no, of money? Would you even pay him four not. times four? 
Probably not. So, if, so given that you're probably not going to sign him at those numbers, why and take for a second. rebuilding team, why yeah. would you? Why wouldn't you go and take the pick? I would take second round picks for those for those guys all day long, Frank. And as, you know, look, and Drysdale gets hurt um, yeah. in the last 36 hours oh, too, and, and so you're subtracting another right shot defenseman out of that lineup. Um, the Capitals the are playing well and and creeping. But listen, I agree. I don't think the Flyers making the playoffs as much as I'll lose a bet to Johnny, which I'll be <laughs> fine with. Um, but I don't think that's the goal or should be the goal for them. It, it can't be. It, it, Whatever the outcome of this term. season is should be irrelevant to me. Yeah, like you should, I, I, you should be making roster decisions right now, totally agnostic and putting a blindfold on as to what the standings are today. Yeah. Cause they're rather irrelevant. John Chan in the chat is asking, is Konechny an untouchable on this Flyers team, Frank? I think he's as close to it as you can get. Um, I think they're really looking forward to engaging in more substantive discussions with Konechny and his camp this summer when he's eligible to sign a deal. I think they're going to get a real good sense of the framework and what that looks like. And I think he's one of those sort of heart and soul players of this team that you probably want on the other end of this rebuild, wherever that's going, even if he is around 30 years old, by the time that happens, he's, I don't think he's going anywhere. Frank, Ken Misrahi, and I, I'm sorry if I'm not announced or pronouncing that right in the chat is like basically in tune with the way I was thinking before you talked about interesting teams, at the deadline, the flyers being one of them, but two teams I'm curious about right now with how they've been shaking up, Lately is the Washington Capitals, who I've given zero respect to all year long. I haven't taken them serious since day one of the season. And then the Buffalo Sabres, who, you know, pretty much have been out of things all year long, but, you know, they've started to put some wins together and maybe, you know, the desperation of that city to make the playoffs. Maybe they are buyers of the deadline. What are you doing if you are those two teams right now? Um, Washington obviously is completely different than Buffalo because Buffalo hasn't been in the playoffs. I think the longest drought in all four major sports history, right? They're 13 years without the playoffs. So are you trying to show your fan base that you're still, you know, not giving up on the season and want to try to take a shot at the playoffs if you're Buffalo? And then if you're the caps, what are you doing? If Ovi's now scoring goals and you're winning some games? I don't think again, you can get lost in, in a 10 day or two week period of time. The Sabres need serious surgery. They need a big boost this off season to really be taken seriously. They've had some young players that have taken a step back that they need to ask questions why, and who's going to be part of that core. Um, the caps to me are just a team that I, I don't know. They're definitely not going to be adding, but I like, where are they heading? What give me what the plan is. And that's one thing that I think has been missing. It's been like, well, let's try and stay a little bit competitive and let's try and kind of hang in the race just because we've got Alex Ovechkin chasing this goal-scoring record, which is phenomenal, and he's certainly well back on the path to, to getting there, and I wouldn't be shocked if he actually hits 30 goals before this season is all said and done, which is crazy to believe he was at, I think, eight at the All-Star break. Um, but what's the long-term outlook for the Caps? It feels like more pain... And the only thing I really know about this year, which isn't a bad thing at all for the Caps, is that I think I've learned that Spencer Carberry is a really good coach. Well, I played for him, and I can tell you he is. It was only two games, um, but man, he he knows how to inspire a locker room. Honestly, he he left a huge impression on me um, in in forty eight hours um, of my life during. Where a was that? It was in yeah. South Carolina. It was during a conditioning stint uh, coming off of a, a torn. I had surgery with, with Dr. Myers in Philadelphia. I rehabbed. I came back. Uh, the team was going on all-star break. So I went down to South Carolina to play two games for carbs. And I, like, honestly, I, I would freaking play for that guy. Any level, any team, any time. He, he is uh, yeah, unbelievable. Like I was thrilled when he got an opportunity to go be a head coach because I, I really think he's going to be a guy that, gets to work in this league as a head coach for a very long time. He has that it factor and that presence that you can't necessarily describe verbally. You have to be in the room and kind of see it and feel it. 
Um, so I, I, I'm, 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 I'm always pulling for a guy like that, Frank. That's I, the I only really... thing I've learned this season about the caps. <laughs> Spencer Carberry is a good like Charlie Lindgren. He, yeah. he, I think yeah. an under the radar, interesting deadline addition. All the teams want Charlie Lindgren with that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Frank. Well, look, we, we're, we're not going to hold you too long. I want to ask you one more question. And then I don't know if Johnny has maybe wants to get a little dating advice from you before we go off the air today, but don't a story me. that started a story. That's what do you say? What you say? I said, a don't story. ask me. <laughs> A story that has been circulating a little bit, Frank, um, you know, not not player or trade related is, is the Winnipeg Jets and the situation going on there with their season tickets and their attendance. And, and you know, we've we've seen this market, um, you know, fail before uh, they came back with a with a bang and season tickets and the building being full and this and that. And now we're kind of starting to, to, to go the wrong way with the Winnipeg Jets, you know. So much has been made about this whole disaster uh, uh, that we call the 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 Arizona Coyotes. I almost just called them the Phoenix Coyotes. But um, wh- where are we headed with this whole Winnipeg Jets thing? I mean, I can't imagine a, a Canadian franchise could fail again. But um, there's noise, Frank. So so I'm curious, what's real, what's not, and and what to make of it. Ooh. Well, <laughs> this is my completely unvarnished and honest take. I think it's much ado about nothing. And what I mean by that is I think it's really, I understand what the jets are trying to do. They're trying to cajole fans back to Winnipeg to buy tickets. Gary Bettman, the commissioner will be in Winnipeg tonight and apparently may even address the fans about part of this. So they're sounding the alarm bells, but I think there's been one, a confluence of events that have, I think, put the Jets in this spot and many of, or much of it is their own doing. They were competitive for a while and then they had a team that was pretty unlikable for a while. And it wasn't based on media, but based on what appeared to be kind of the same thing time after time. And they've committed significant resources to keeping Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. And that team will probably continue to be competitive for a while. Uh, They acknowledge that they didn't really do a good job selling. They almost stopped selling because they didn't need to. And their corporate support was way low because let's be honest, there isn't a ton of corporate support in Winnipeg. So fans that had bought tickets, a lot of people had teamed up to buy tickets. Um, Hey, they weren't splitting off packages. So it was like, Hey, me and my buddy over here, we're going to go in on a full season package. Well, now they've made it really hard uh, technology wise to share your tickets. Apparently that's been one of the big complaints from fans. So there's those things happening on one side that I think part of it is just cyclical. The team being, you know, near the top of the standings playing better. They're going to come back and they'll especially come back as the season Uh, goes on and the games get more important. But this is the part now that most people don't say out loud that I'm going to, which is it really feels like the Jets are crying poor when they don't really have any reason to. And one is because they purchased the franchise for $170 million, which is now valued at $700 million. And that's probably really light because I don't think anyone gets in the door to owning an NHL franchise without putting up a billion bucks. So in what will be 15 years time, your franchise will have 10x in value. And this is the next part that people don't really say out loud when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, which is, their owners, Mark Chipman, who's been one of the big voices behind here, he's got a huge say in this. He's wealthy. But <laughs> the other partner in this is David Thompson, who is not just the richest Canadian at $61 billion, but is also the 24th richest person in the entire world. I'd be happy if there were only 23 people richer than me in my own <laughs> zip code. let alone the entire world. So whatever losses the Jets may or may not be having on a year-to-year basis 
writing checks to cover their, you know, what they need to pay their bills. First off, it shouldn't be an issue because of franchise value. And really, you're just writing a check to yourself. And second, this is not even a rounding error to David Thompson. So why is this such a big alarming thing? Do, wouldn't they just, would, even if it came down to pure charity, wouldn't they just keep the team there based off of the rounding issues with David Thompson? I don't know. I mean, listen, Feels, all, all, like all, that was a really long-winded way of saying, like, why are we, <laughs> again, why are we talking about this? Well, because that was it's long-winded. Being, well, listen, <laughs> it's, it's being talked about, and we do have, you know, somebody, we have someone in the chat right now, Chef Richard, who, who comes into the show all the time, comments all the time. He's a Winnipegger, um, and he says that, the ticket prices have become ridiculous. The economy in, in Winnipeg isn't great. People really can't afford it. He also said that he plans to, or he said, I think I might go to that um, in response to you talking about Gary Bettman addressing the fans. Um, so uh, that'll be cool. One of our, our listeners will, will get to be in attendance to hear that. And we'll hopefully have him reporting back to us tomorrow in the chat. I'm sure it'll be all over social media as well, but but it you know, is look, a small town and it is like the fact that they've supported this team as well. And as long as they have, I think is really impressive. I, I just don't believe the idea that they could lose this team again. It seems incredibly far-fetched and I don't really care how big of a check they're writing because in Florida, in pick another place where teams are the, the LA Kings lose money every single year. <laughs> they're going to lose, I think $24 million this year. Does anyone hear Phil Anschutz, the owner of the Kings, complaining? No, because it's about the long-term view and the franchise value that really matters. They've killed it. They've absolutely killed it in Winnipeg. So what's the complaint? And they're okay. good right now. Okay. They're buzzing right now. So maybe the playoff run, who knows? That could spark something, right? People will definitely show up in the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. the whiteout. It's a small building. I've played in it before. It's not a huge building. It'll it's be sold awesome out. Building. It'll it be so sold good. Out. It'll be great, sold out down the stretch. Stop great, it. great place to broadcast as well because the vantage. You're hot. You're you're not so high, but you're kind of closer to the ice. It's it's actually one of my favorite buildings to call a game in, um, for sure. I don't really have anything else for Frank today. I know you got a busy one. You're doing Leafs morning take coming up here, right? Frank, a busy day for you on this. Yeah, on good. This it was only Tuesday. 48 minutes with you guys. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time as always. I know next week when we have you on, it'll be a little bit busier as it's trade deadline week. So um, I'm sure. Is we'll that next week already? Wow. Next, a week Ten from Friday. Yeah. Away. A week All right. From Friday, before so. you go, Frank, give what? us one, give us one wild <laughs> prediction. Give us one thing that we're not thinking about or talking about that you think could happen that might might be more on the wild side and and kind of throw people a little bit um off we swear we won't clip it and post it on twitter <laughs> except exactly we will exactly i don't have anything i really don't have anything bold i think this is a mostly uncompelling deadline if we're being honest I know I'm doing a great job of selling my show next Friday. I was going to say four hours. We'll be on the air four hours next week on the DFO uh, YouTube page. Frank, just say that Crosby could be getting traded. That's all you need to do. <laughs> I'm going to hang up if you say stupid shit, Johnny. <laughs> Is Jacob Markstrom going to move? I, I don't think so. Okay. I love all the people, by the way, that tweet at you, Frank, Nick Alberga included, um, machine gun, Yanmark announced the Oilers trade. Like people it's like, Frank, don't you make it? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't make the news. I just report. I thought on you, I thought you actually called the GM and said, Hey, make this move now. Yeah. Please <laughs> help save me. Although I do, I do say occasionally, please help me. Please give me some, <laughs> please tell me you have something. <laughs> and they laugh. Um, All right, Frank. Well, my look. bold prediction. Okay, I got. I'll give you one. All right, good. <laughs> uh, the New York That's Rangers will be one that. of the busiest teams. Okay, yeah. Johnny loves to hear that. I hope well, they. Well, you should have said that because I'll be blowing. I wonder up your if text. they're going to move their hundred point twenty-two year old hundred point winger. 
Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe they move another high pick winger. Yeah. All right, Frank. You, well, look, Frank, you should not have said that because now I'm going to be texting you nonstop in the next 10 days. <laughs> All right, are, I'll put it up. Do not disturb. You can stay if you want, or you can go. We're about to do our tweet of the night. Um, I'm leaving. Which, which features <laughs> the one See and ya. only Johnny Lazarus. Um, oh, Frank wants nothing to do with tweet yep. of the night. We're going to be doing this yep. every night. Johnny actually said something funny on Twitter last night. Um, that our producer and I side chatted about, which we seldom or we we usually are in the side chat because we we try to leave Johnny in the cold a little bit. But I'll read it for you for those who aren't watching. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, who have been embarrassing, and it, and I mean embarrassing on social media, tweeted yesterday. It's really cold here at Canadians Montreal, and Laz Witty Witty Laz. I'll give him credit. You never call me Laz ever. <laughs> Quote tweeted, if you think Montreal is cold, just wait till you see Salt Lake City. So I'm kind of surprised that Johnny did that because he's usually um, too scared to say anything even slightly remotely controversial. Um, he, he's way too much of a super fan of the league and of his favorite players. So I, I'm surprised that he had it in him to chirp the coyotes, although it is low hanging fruit. Yeah. It's a friendly um, chirp. Yeah. Congratulations, Johnny, your first tweet of the night. And it was actually pretty good. Like it wasn't <laughs> your dumb senators tweet or a dumb tweet about this or that you actually did something that made us chuckle. So we'll give you credit for that. Do I get a plaque in the mail? For uh, you promoting a hockey tweet. No, but Vic and I won't ignore you for the rest of the day today. We'll actually speak to you today. It's so funny for all the listeners. Like I, I nonstop text our group chat. Between, How about Olivia? Yeah. Because what? it was ten degrees warmer in Salt Lake City, so she's dunking on you right now, Johnny. Olivia usually oh, has your back in the, the chat. I didn't check the weather. Like Olivia just, normally <laughs> sides with you over me in the chat. I feel like uh -huh. so this one she's 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 dunking on you a little bit. So I appreciate uh, uh, the the even handedness, Olivia. Yeah. We we love to see it. We 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 love to see it. I didn't really check the weather. I actually don't even know what the temperatures like in Salt Lake City. I've never been, but. No, that wasn't the point. You, do you um, know where Salt Lake City is, Johnny? Yeah, it's in Utah. I know. Okay. Do you know where Utah is? It's like, you know, Northwest <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Is that what it is? Northwest Pacific? Come on. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, God. Well, one thing that we do know about Johnny is he struggles with geography. He struggles oh, terrible. with knowing terrible. who people are in the government, history, world facts. None of his... Uh, Forte. So look, that's all we got for today. Um, we appreciate how active everybody in the chat was. We, we, it's more fun when you guys are in uh, Johnny, they sided with you on the B the BYO skates date. Um, obviously you're going to have to report back tomorrow to let us know if maybe you got to first base on this date, maybe second base. We'll see. Um, we actually, sure wait, we have a, a question from Chris. Margotti, does Johnny pay for dinner tonight and does he wear his skates at dinner? I always pay, always pay, but no, I will not wear the skates at dinner. That's that's not happening. Skate guard, no pay. skate guard. You're not going to go ride the subway with skate guards? Should I? I'd be down. You should just bring all your gear and just like start putting all your gear on and she'll be <laughs> like, what is happening here? Just make the whole thing a bit. Just see, like, like what's the, uh, like how to lose a guy in 10 days. Just like see how to, how to ruin a date in 10 minutes. <laughs> like kind of like that. Well, don't ruin this one. Don't ruin this one. Jay Miller says, Johnny's kind of right. Johnny, it's not in the Pacific Northwest. Utah's West. It's the mountains. It's the, the, the Western mountains next to Colorado in that area. It's not the Pacific Northwest. No. I don't know, man. Just, just end the show. <laughs> I'm guessing if we put a map up and we saw how many states you could label, I'd say over under oh, I would, 20. I would say 20, and I would probably take the under. I think, yeah, that's kind. I, I'm really bad with that. Well, I said the under, Johnny. Oh, okay. Never mind. Then. Meaning I think <laughs> you could name less than 20 states of the how many? How many states? 50. 50. <laughs> right? 50 nifty United States. Oh, God. All right. That's it. Yeah, we've got on Thanks too long. Got too long. Thanks to our producer, Vic. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Don't forget, we need people to like and subscribe to the DFO YouTube page because we are clipping things from the show, um, parts of the interview, shorts, things we do during the day. They're all on the DFO YouTube page. Make sure you like our show on that as well. Um, and yeah, we'll see everybody. What's tomorrow, Johnny? Wednesday? 
yeah, we'll see everybody tomorrow and tomorrow. we'll start the show. With- I, I just want to tell one quick story because uh, I think Olivia actually had a really funny comment. She said, I could probably name more states as a Canadian. In college, like my sophomore year, we did like a, like we all took a citizen's test. Like it, it was given to us in class and like probably 12 Canadian people did better than me on the U.S. citizen like history test that we got. So my teacher was like, oh, I know you're on the hockey team. Are you Canadian? I was like, nope. <laughs> so embarrassing. How about how about Machine Gun Yanmark is asking? I thought the U.S. college system was legit. It's anything but legit. Johnny went to UMass, which is a state school. You never know what they're teaching these kids at state school. Um, Don't make me get into the U.S. college system. Nobody wants to hear my thoughts on that. Trust me. Um, All right, Johnny, end the show. Since you, you, all right, thank you you all for listening. Have a great day. Uh, we'll report back on the date tonight, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. It's just Colby and I, no guests tomorrow. So we'll have a lot of fun. We'll get to the chat and uh, you guys are the best. Thank you. Have a good day.